Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. Happy Thanksgiving week, everyone. This will come out. Feast week. Come out presumably while uh, you are hopefully able to take some time to, to celebrate with your loved ones. Uh, tuck into some, some tasty food and uh, watch the Detroit Lions continue to be the Detroit Lions. Because, you know, one thing we do better than just about anyone here in america is never fucking learn well at least the cowboys are playing a meaningful game this year on thanksgiving day who are they playing it is they're playing the giants it is it is (laughs) i mean they're presumably both in in the seat for for playoff berths because you know the nfc south like some someone is is going someone is legally required to win that division (laughs) is legally they're like they're like oh to win we have to eat a shoe and it's like someone's like i finished the shoe it's like you you didn't have to do that you could have just skipped down on the playoffs stop eating the shoe um (laughs) It'll probably be Tom Brady. He he came back to work, got divorced so that he could eat a shoe. Um, well, as somebody, I think it was Nick Wright. Uh, was I saw a clip of Nick Wright earlier today saying, like, you realize what's about to happen is that despite going like eight for nine or eight and nine this year, Tom Brady is going to host a playoff game that is probably going to involve like Daniel Jones coming to him. Then he's going to move on and get to play Kirk Cousins or Geno Smith. And then after all that, he winds up with Jimmy Garoppolo in the NFC Championship game. And I'm sitting there going, fuck me. It's going to happen. Of course well, it's going to for- happen. Fortunately, you are not required to watch any it's, of those. It's not actually it's football. not actually going to happen because the Bucks offensive line is dog awful. But um, but yeah, it... I, well, let's you know, here's 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 what we should do. Sorry, this is not a football podcast. That's my the, 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 <laughs> well. And that's the thing is there's a you just described. There is a lot of time where traditionally you may be watching football, but mm-hmm. instead, you know, why don't you better yourself and go learn you something? Cause screw you. That's why. Oh, well, that's 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 fair. Do you need I've anything more than that? To, yeah, I've yeah. chosen to that's, bring up. That's the end of the show. You can All find right, us at our well, home on the was... web. Um, no, but I I posed this to you all um, because I really what it was is you know I'm 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 at I'm at work, quote unquote, um, and uh, sometimes there's you know I'm waiting on emails or, or something like that, and there's. There's not much to do, and and there's there, I don't know for me there's a certain guilt about like opening up uh, my Kindle and and reading a, a, a fiction book for for instance, but somehow I feel somewhat justified if I throw on like a YouTube video that is you know I to me is is educational even if it's like a cooking video and it had me thinking that the fact that I am so comfortable watching 
videos to learn, and that's what I'm telling myself I'm doing with them, is a really big change for me. For me, someone who I think uh, has in the past maybe fashioned themselves, someone who was very interested in learning in traditional fashions. And I didn't know if that had maybe changed for you all as well. Well, are you saying you're no longer a booksman? I'm <clears throat> I I think I am less of a of a, a a books person. Um and I think a lot of that maybe has to do with um and maybe I'll just say this from the start. Part of it is is I I kind of buried the lead there. While I am at work, I a, a place where where there are, you know, skills involved skills that you may want to hone and that is something i have i've done before i have taken trainings and everything uh related to work but even when i'm at work i am interested in learning things that are not in the course of something it's things i would rather be doing whereas i think when i was in school and i don't mean that offensively it's just like you know there's there's vocations and avocations um and understood yeah, and and I think that um, when you're when you're in an academic setting like college, I think that everything is of a piece, um, or at least fortunately for me was a way where the things I wanted to be learning were the things that I was doing at that time. So I did not I did not need to have the uh, there. There's a carrot and a stick there. But when you throw on a YouTube video, that's for me, that's all carrot. And and so there's not the I don't have to have the spark. I don't have to have the catalyst to jump in to learning the same way. Yeah. So, I mean, look, there the easy thing would be to jump into this and, and say, uh, you know, from a kind of boomery perspective and say that you're not actually learning anything anymore. Uh, but like. I don't know. There is something legitimately to be said for the idea that, you know, something that is in the form of like a video or even an audio medium, like a, a podcast or an audio book yeah. is something that is, you know, sort of well suited for um, this, this particular strain of like, while you're working or while you're doing something, you know, learning because a a book book engages kind of the one sense that's required for you like you're working on something like actually working you kind of have to look at it you have to devote your attention to it that way and that is the only way that you can engage with the written word but like you can have a a youtube video on in the background and just sort of hear the audio track that's that's part of it while you do other stuff and like you may not be learning well enough to like properly regurgitate it in a testing context but i think one of the things that you figure out as you get past what the period of time where you're in school is that that's not the only way for you to learn something. And in fact, it's Mm -hmm. arguably like not even that good a way to learn something. So like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you're like doing anything less well than you used to do it. Yeah. I, I I think when you get at the 
unfocused learning, which is which is maybe what mm-hmm. I'm doing. I mean, Ke- Kevin and and Max as well. Uh, you know, for me, I I did learn through books and like lectures were really important in a way that like I went to all my lectures when I was in school because that that really was the way I kind of had to learn, and that was in some ways the application of of really I was learning how to think in a way where you all I think were actually learning very valuable and in in many ways tangible um you know theorems and and math i think for for you i have this this foundation in slightly unfocused learning like the, the you know you focus on the book but but it's you're you're picking up concepts in a way i mean do you all feel like that 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 um disparity between your focused learning and like maybe this unfocused learning i'm describing is is there a really big goal for could you learn in that somewhat unfocused way I think that for I don't know something like math, it's like whether or not it's a video or a book, it's the same thing except one just presented with like visuals. Like there are a lot of fancy math videos that do a great job at teaching like calculus concepts or or whatever. But ultimately, it's just a you know like a video version of a of a textbook. You're not getting anything different out of it um, maybe for some people it's easier for them to take in it's easier for them to focus and, and learn from it you can rewind and such and for others staring at equation an equation might be better um, but i ultimately think it's displaying the same knowledge whereas something like cooking it's a demonstration it's like showing the motor movements you are doing to to make this thing happen so it wouldn't it's not like the same as a as reading a cookbook, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree with that, I think. I'm a little confused. When you talk about I, maybe my clarification uh, that I need is, like, how are you distinguishing? And this is because I don't really consume YouTube, so I'll speak for the people that don't oh, consume videos on the internet uh, at all. Um, how, what, is, what is the distinction between watching a YouTube video to learn and watching a YouTube video to be entertained? I don't think that there is a difference. It is entertaining learning for me. Some people are are just there for the entertainment, and they they might learn how to make a cocktail along the way. Um, you know, there are plenty of cooking videos I've watched, and and they're, you know, pretty funny for for a variety of reasons. But I am also there because I'm so, like genuinely I want to learn how to make a pie. Well, we, so, we we should stipulate that if if you for some reason are are unfamiliar with what is on youtube in the year 2022 like roughly 90 percent of it is um like dumb reaction videos and far right-wing political crankery so like that's I'm not so glad none of that shows up in mine <laughs> that's <laughs> not um like you are describing a, a an approach to youtube that is uh, you call it unfocused learning but your approach to YouTube is actually quite focused. You are narrowed in on specific topics and are not like going fishing. And, and I think that, I think that it, it's a Max, Max is asking a good question because like, if you are just like booting up YouTube and sort of clicking around to random stuff while you work, unless you have trained your algorithm pretty well and, and it knows when you open up the homepage, like you want coffee and cocktail and cooking videos, 
then like you're probably you've got a pretty good chance of not learning anything of just being entertained mm-hmm. yeah. yeah do you like when you are cooking something based off of a cooking video versus reading do you do you find that you are the process of cooking is different for you because for me i would i don't cook much but when i do it's like when i'm reading a cookbook i have to be making my own judgments along the way whereas if it's a video i'm like do i look like the video so so i i should say in and this is where it, it is it is a layered learning I mean, for for a cocktail like it'll have underneath the video what the recipe was and like shake or stir or strain like i i, I get that like that's that's fine i can look at the recipe i watch the video too because the video is fun i might learn history about it it's it's engaging it engages me with the i mean ultimately we've talked about this so many times is there is a connection with a work product that we unfortunately mostly don't don't have anymore. I mean, Kevin, you you are probably well, actually all of you except for me, like there is there's some way you can you can kind of see your work out in the world in a way that I cannot. So having that extra connection with something I'm making is great. But to your point, um, in the layered learning is I will watch the cooking video. If I like it, if I'm like, that's a cool recipe, I will often go watch it again and take take notes um, and be like, okay, you know, use this much of this, whatever. And there might be a recipe at the bottom, but I am, you know, really from watching so many videos, I learn the type of stuff that I have to put down and what I understand. So where, whereas a cookbook might have really good um, directions, I have learned that through watching all of this and then making things based off of it, there's a way for me that I can shorthand it or emphasize things that, that I need help with. So it's making me a better person by doing all this learning. Yes, Sean. So you, I'm, this is, you've made me think of something and I, I think you will, you will get a, you will enjoy and hate this question. You've described a, a situation where like, particularly in the realm of cooking, stuff you get an added value out of additional stuff that is that goes beyond just the nuts and bolts of like this is how to make a perfect manhattan sure um does this mean that you are reversing your long-standing virulent hatred of recipe blog posts um, so no, because, <laughs> because, because, and this is, this is important. And, and I think that this, this is, this is where I don't learn that way anymore. So this is really important. You've hit on the key things. I don't learn that way anymore. I need just, just like in school, I need the lecture to make the book make sense. So I may go back and look, you know, at a Kenji Lopez alt recipe afterwards that he's linked to mm-hmm. and i'm oh yeah he did discuss how it's important to cook the beans this way but i need a good lecturer to give me that context to engage me that way i need the charisma and there are plenty of great writers out there but if i am going to the written part i just want the nuts and bolts i want to be reminded of what mm. i learned it is the highlighted parts of your notes 
I'm not going back and rewatching the lecture again, or more likely, I'm not reading the whole chapter again. So, but but you know, we're we're really focused on you know kind of how how I'm learning and and getting maybe a little too focused on cooking. I mentioned earlier that it's stuff I'd rather be doing, but there are plenty of people who who do things that are complementary to what they do day to day. And I've done some of that stuff before, but I felt like I needed to do it and was encouraged to do it at work. Yeah. So, and Max, I was, this is what I was going to bring up. Um, I was actually watching a cooking video and there was like atomic habits or, or something, uh, you know, something someone wrote, one of those kind of maybe pop psychology type books that is generally applicable to work. I always steer away from those. But in the past, when I've looked through them, they're, they're not super dense books. They're trying to approach different ways for you to get those concepts and, and you know, throw a lot of stuff at the wall and what makes sense to you. Max, you are holding a book like that up. Um, you are not, you are also not a huge, huge reader of, of books, which really brings in questions of his max learning at all. <laughs> but, but you know, you have this, and, and what has your experience been with, with that type of book learning um, as, as a, 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 an adult in the working world for a number of years? Yeah, um, I don't read a lot of work-focused books. Uh, I've been trying to get myself to read more books in general, and I've been going to the library and saying to myself, Sort of similar to how I approach the gym. It's like, I don't care what type of book I get. Um, if I read it and return it, I'm going to feel good about finishing a book and hopefully get more. Um, so I went and I got a book for pleasure and a book for like what you're saying, I think a book for work. Mm-hmm. But it's a generic workbook to your point about like cooperating better with coworkers type of thing. Um, <laughs> and I'm enjoying it. I, I'm about halfway done. I'm reading it very slowly, but... Um, I think what I'm finding parallels to is uh, when you're asking about like how I learn, I I mean, I still definitely learn a lot on my day-to-day job. That's kind of Mm -hmm. one of the big things that drives me towards enjoying what I do is, is constantly learning both how to do new things and how to do similar things better. But what I'm kind of, what's resonating with me on what you're saying is, is maybe harkens back to a conversation we had about like productivity. And I hate to use that word, but, when you were talking, what it reminded me of was sometimes in the evenings, and, and granted, this is entertainment time, but like sometimes I still want to feel productive. And maybe what I'm saying is I want to feel like I'm learning. Um, mm-hmm. And that's when I'll maybe put on like a documentary instead of a comedy oh. or a drama. So, like, I don't consume YouTube, but it's more literally like the format that I don't like, right? Like, if those videos were on Netflix, I would watch them. It's, it's that I don't, I, I don't play nicely with the with the website i guess and i don't like to like probably because i know myself and if i started going watching youtube videos on my work computer i wouldn't do any work so like i keep them separate but i will you know 6 p.m rolls around and maybe i'll throw on something that i want to learn from and maybe it's a historical documentary or maybe it's not maybe it's something modern about like financial systems and like i will watch those and learn from them uh and obviously they're documentaries we've talked about how documentaries are clearly a form of entertainment but there's there's something there that's clicking with me where like similar to your cooking videos like they're a form of entertainment but that doesn't mean you can't uh learn something beyond just like takeaways of of enjoying it maybe yeah kevin i i'm interested in your workplace if if you know how how continued learning works i mean Um, max talked about 
you know, engaging there, there is the engaging with people better at work. That is something that, you know, people are, are saying is really important all the time. And it is, but, but I wonder with you, if, if there's any like, oh, I need to get my skills up in this, that, or the other. No, I mean, you, you can, I think that just how if in talking about how the types of learning has changed in, in school, you're learning about first principles and you're really trying to get the theory down and you're, it takes a lot of focus and generally you need, you want like a book or, um, you need to watch a, like a lecture over and over again to, and then you need to practice. You can't just, we have to actually do this stuff to get it down. Whereas now it's more about, you know, if I'm reading something, I'm not trying to read about the, trying to find holes in the study or whatever. And I'm just like, well, there's this one thing I need to do. I just need to figure out how to do it in this context. And so generally the learning will be more surface level. Um, you know, if, if we reference like a, academic paper we're, we're going to read the abstract and then that's it um mm-hmm. and, and kind of go test it out ourselves rather than worrying about everything so it's it's more of like it's still just this a surface level thing because we've for our job we've mostly um you know gotten the surface or gotten the skills we need it's just we need to apply them in new contexts the idea of of you know I, there there's something really simple and and astounding about that which is you know these are things that you can practice and i mean for i mean for the last i don't know 12 years of my life i've been doing things that effectively i can't practice because if you practice that indicates there's a right answer and it's more like i do things and learn from them and you know which is different than like hey you learn you learn how to do you know, we talked about calculus earlier and like there is a right answer probably. You learn a lot th- along the way, but, but the idea of you can practice is interesting uh, to me. Doing things and learning from them is the literal definition of practice. I I, I, I understand. I'm just saying like <laughs> the, the type of practicing where it's like you can practice it and because there is a right answer to compare it to is, is not – uh, I mean, especially with the learning I was doing in school, like I could not, I could not really practice necessarily the applications of of a lot of the concepts I was yeah. learning. Yeah, but kind of and like one thing I'm to give a bit more flavor to what I was saying more toward back at the beginning is that when I'm if I'm practicing math or practicing circuit design or whatever, that whether I got the information from a video or a book doesn't change the practice. Whereas I feel like with something like cooking, whether I get my information from a video or a book does change how I practice. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can see how that would, how that would work. I also think that Pierce, you're maybe sort of giving your yourself short shrift on whether or not, you know, like your, your course of study in college was very focused on like, research skills and drawing drawing connections between disparate things and like that is you're right that it's not something that has a single right answer it's fluid but like you absolutely can can practice that stuff outside of the context of how you do it in school i mean you you write every time you've like written a blog post for our website you have practiced those skills 
and have improved those skills. So like it, it's, you know, I, I mean, I, I think about that a lot as a, a journalist, like every, every time you write a story, like you should be better at writing a story than the last time you wrote one. And I've sort of going back to what Max said, like I benefit greatly on this whole front from the fact that almost any sort of outside information that I take in has the potential to be highly relevant to my job. If I mm -hmm. read a book about financial systems, like I am enabling myself to report on financial systems. There's a reason I have a whole stack of books on my desk in the newsroom uh, that are tied to that are like reporting on stuff from the opioid epidemic because I've worked on a number of stories about opioids and their effect in Virginia. And so like having having that background is immensely helpful. But I also have found myself in these last few years as I've like transitioned into a different career, like my bar for how much multitasking I can do has gotten way lower. Like be, the the work oh, yeah. is super duper thought intensive. And so it's really hard now. Um like if I if I set out like I'm going to listen to this podcast episode, I'm going to pause that podcast episode 5 times, 500 mm -hmm. times. I'm going to listen to like 90 seconds and be like, "Okay, no, I need to focus." And just be this cycle back and forth where I'm like, okay, I can, I think I could probably go back to and, this thing. And I'm glad you said that because that, I, I took down a note when Max was talking earlier, and, and I think there's a related thing. Um, I, when I'm doing this, uh, it's not even unfocused, but when I'm doing this entertaining learning, um, I try not, I, I try as best I can not to be doing anything else. I am, even though it is unfocused in the sense of like I'm not reading a book, I do want to give it my attention because I find it entertaining. And and so I try not to multitask when doing that. Uh, you know, maybe it's like, you know, something's on in the background. Like if I hear a ping from from an email or an answer message, it's fine. But something is in there. And, and Max, you mentioned wanting to be engaged, but engaged with something that, that you find um, enriching in some way, putting on a documentary or something like that. I myself don't even necessarily think of documentaries as, as like a, a learning thing, even though at heart they are and always have been. But I think there, and, and maybe that's the thing that I realize is um, I am very fortunate about is what I wrote down is, is the, the privilege of finding learning entertaining. And I think for for so many people, they do not have this free time to be like, I want to throw on a YouTube video and learn something from it and then go apply it in the kitchen or or in my backyard working on my deck or, or something like that. Like to to have the time to find learning and, and documentaries or, or even books about how you can change your habits and make them better at work. Like you have to have that time to do it. Um, and you want a certain form of entertainment that you're like, well, this, this gives me something else I can do. Um, you know, it's a very, it's a very optimistic and it indicates that you will have more time on the other side of that to apply that thing. 
or share your knowledge of that thing. Um, and so what <laughs> I feel I feel good about the change in my learning and that I can share it and and everything else, but there's something very fortunate and an echelon above about being able to take the time to do that. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's the classic like coastal elite person. It's like, oh, did you read did you read the Times front page today? Like that's that's what it is. Like, you know, you're not book learning anymore, but you're still engaged and you're reading the paper or you watch the local news because you're like, I want to know this so I can then share it with someone else. It I I think it's I think it's the same thing. I remember when I first started reading the news as an adult i was like oh adults must learn a lot when they do this because i was in school my whole life and constantly learning stuff and so i figured that people kept working at it i was like oh no this is it's written at a second grade level for the most part well uh, you know kind of the point yeah right i mean yeah it, the light came on after that but maybe just... like a sixth grade level but yes yeah, sure um i and i've uh, I forget the exact line from um, Frank Ocean's Super Rich Kids, but I was reminded of this today, and, and this is my last note on it. I looked just in a cursory way. I was like, you know, what if I wanted to start getting the New Yorker again? Um, just for the digital, the digital, to re-up after the the opening rate for the digital um, is $120 a year. So, so, so the digital version of, of the New Yorker. Um, so yeah, not, not only, not only are you fortunate and, and privileged in, in your finding learning entertainment, but you'll pay extra to have the hot, hot takes from the New Yorker who does, they do excellent work, but I'm not going to pay $120 to look at it on my computer screen. I mean, don't forget the cover price of a year of the New Yorker is like $450. Oh, it might be, it might be more than that. It's eight. I believe it's eight ninety nine an issue and they do 50 a year. Okay. Yeah. It's usually big, like weekly magazines like that will often have like a couple double issues. So Yeah. You're, it's not extra. It's extra on top of not having the New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. But you also, you have access to a .edu email address, which means you have the ability to lock in, I believe, a $50 a year rate. They they make you validate it in a very curious way. But I've, it has Hi, been discussed just, in my just, just subscribed recently. They don't. Oh, well, that that that's good. Anyways, so, if you if you have time you know, to, to get entertained from learning, like make make the most yeah. of it. Mm -hmm. um, so okay. Yeah. Another another learning I did recently, actually, I know that we're we're bumping up on our time, but I I did a uh, a workout learning. I went to a an in person boxing class, and that's another thing that we didn't really talk about is like practicing with an instructor. Um, granted, boxing, Ooh. you know, I'm not going to go box competitively i'm doing it purely for exercise slash fun um mm -hmm. but yeah it reminded me i mean people go to a spin classes and other exercise classes all the time a lot of it is for the motivation a lot of it is that it's on your calendar so you can't just decide like no i guess i won't go for a run because it's raining it's like no you you schedule the class and you you've sort of committed to it you paid for financially it. or otherwise probably yeah. paid for it 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely learned from that uh, about boxing and things. And I think there's also like pre-COVID and hopefully they'll, they'll come back. But there were a lot of uh, in Boston, like in-person cooking classes and things. And so, um, yeah, you can kind of blend that like learning and entertainment, but also practicing in person in a way that, you know, they can be pretty expensive, especially the in-person cooking classes. And I've, I've never done one, but uh, I've heard good things. So, And know. hey, there's always masterclass. Yeah. Bill Clinton has one now. <laughs> Jesus Christ! All I right, masterclass is officially dead. It. Is it on how to collaborate with your coworkers? Oh, Ooh, wow! Oh, <laughs> on that note, we have to move on to Pierce's sorry. <laughs> well, obviously, sorry for that. Though it was good, it was good. Um, I, I I had a realization recently, and this is this is really two guests in my house, and uh, I'm going to work on this now but over time you accumulate things that that you're very you know you're very proud of and and you want to share and not just your collection of youtube videos that you've watched um that you want to show people but you get stuff like cool plates and um nice nice cutting boards to put cheese on um or specifically in my case um really cool spoons and i had the realization recently that the cool spoons that i have told people about um, before uh, guests in my house were like, okay, well, where are they? If you put the spoons on your coffee table by your TV, that is not necessarily an eating place. So just, you know, be purposeful about where you put your things so that you don't just talk about them, you can share them with others. Because then you just like like a jerk who collects things with, with no application. And no one likes something if you can't share it. So that's that's just a really a uh, you know a, a public service announcement. Out You've there. made your spoons an art piece, and as the owner yes. of a set of those spoons through yes. you, I understand. I understand that very much. I have mine out in a place where they're pretty easy to find if you are say grabbing a bowl of soup from my kitchen, but also where they are like out on display and not in my silverware drawer. Yeah, I might have to see these spoons. They are very cool. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Let's let's do a, a big idea from pop culture, and and it's it's sort of fitting given that what we you know we're talking about learning and, and the sort of professional self help type books came up today. Um, I have been enjoying a new podcast. Uh, I, I've I've extolled the virtues of you're wrong about. Uh, on this show before uh, don't really listen to it so much anymore but one of the now former hosts of that show Michael Hobbs has started a new podcast called if books could kill and this is a podcast in in a very similar vein to you're wrong about which is you know uh, historical debunkings and, and and shining a light on on aspects of say like princess diana's life that you might not have uh noticed or etc et um this is specifically uh poking holes in um airport books it's sort oh. of the pop science uh type stuff and, and the most recent one uh that i listened to yesterday was about uh david brooks bobos in paradise which is uh apparently a hysterical book of uh, just 
anecdotes presented as insights on on the changing culture of the uh the 90s into the 2000s but uh the the sort of best episode so far of the three has been uh about outliers by malcolm gladwell the book that popularized among other things the um 10,000 hours uh of practice theory of how one becomes an expert at something um but also reminds you uh that malcolm gladwell is a big old weirdo who is super duper into race science uh and that book is concluded by uh chapters about uh particularly east asia and southeast asia um one of which uh, posits that the reason that uh, Asian children are particularly good at math uh, stems from uh, working in rice paddies, only he ignores the fact that there are uh, high-performing countries that are not rice-farming countries and that there are uh, rice-farming countries that are not high-math performers. Um, and then closes with a doozy of a chapter about uh, why Korean Air uh, flights seem to crash so much. And and they bring in outside, sort of outside information as well. And, and so Gladwell, around the time that this book came out, when he was doing publicity for it, gave an interview in which he said, the number one, the top reason... Uh, or top correlating factor uh, for for any plane crashing is not bad weather. It is not malfunctioning plane parts. It is not anything else like that. It is the culture of the pilot uh, making the argument that Koreans, being a deferential people, may not speak up if something is going wrong out of fear of offending. Uh, an outranking pilot and thus uh, will fail to avert an avoidable crash. Now, uh, the data on this is very thin for the primary reason that, you know, planes don't crash all that often, uh, but also um, the the hosts, Michael Hobbs and, and Peter Shamshiri, did like a couple Google searches and figured out that... Uh, at the time that the book was published, most of the uh, Korean air flights that went down uh, had been shot down either by the Russians or the North Koreans. So uh, the just a reminder that no one should read Malcolm Gladwell at any time for any reason. And it's just sad because he is a gifted writer and storyteller, but he puts his skills to work in service of just the laziest hacky nonsense on the planet. Oh, maybe maybe he should maybe he should fly to Nigeria and just take a nice relaxing short drive to Johannesburg since he thinks they are so close to one another. There you go. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's if books could kill would would highly recommend. I'm, I'm hoping that there will be a new episode that I can listen to on my flight tomorrow. Um, but uh, yeah, let's let's do. Uh, Rolling Stone rock trivia. I've been crunching the numbers because I, I said that 
Pierce's magic number was one. And it turns out I was super duper wrong about that. Um, <clears throat> so from here on out, assuming that there's about six episodes left in the calendar year, um, if Kevin were to go six for six, Pierce would need to get four correct to still win. Oh, wow. Um, now, uh, Kevin's standard rate is more like about two out of every six. So you're probably <laughs> going to be fine as long as you don't really botch it. Pierce, if you get none right the rest of the year, Kevin, you will win if you get four correct. Okay. Max, you're, like you're thousands, done. 2000s, 2000s. So rebuilding from my year. middle school years. It is a rebuilding year for Max. Uh, no, just focused on learning, you know. No, I, I do not, Kevin. What I do have, though, is uh, iconic New York uh, punk godfathers, the Ramones, oh, were fronted oh, by a, a weird six foot eight alien looking dude who went by the stage name Joey Ramone. What was Joey Ramone's real name? Was it A, John Lydon? Was it B, Jeff Hyman? C, John Meller? Or D, John Simon Ritchie? I think it's B. Yeah, it was going to go B too, but... Since Pierce said it, I'll, I'll go C. That was my other one. So I was between Try B to catch and C, him. and I didn't well, want to copy you're that. irrelevant. Fair. Okay. <laughs> fine. Then I'll go. Uh, That's what my mom tells B. me. All right. Well, Max and Pierce are correct. Jeff oh. Hyman was Joey Ramone. Uh, those were all the names of iconic punk rockers. John Lydon, who we mentioned on a recent episode, is of course Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols. Uh, John Simon Ritchie is his bandmate, Sid Vicious, and John Meller is Joe Strummer of The Clash. Oh. So, cool. fun times. Pierce is continuing on his march to victory. You have, a, you have a real shot, the way this has been going, to actually get above 500 for the year. So cool. We we are the NFC South and we are proud. <laughs> Eat that shoe. The NFC the NFC South of uh music trivia contests on podcasts with average readership that can be counted on one hand with fingers to spare. Huzzah. Uh, that's the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com. You can subscribe to the show on your podcast app of choice. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. I'm Kevin. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening. Bye.